You know, we're doing this series, um, new series today. It's called Faith Stories. But all year, from the beginning of the year, God said it's going to be about testimonies. It's going to be about that everyone has a story. So we're going to continue this unless God says to change. Throughout the rest of the year, we're going to have, we'll continue to have testimonies. Uh, not necessarily to relate to the message. This one happens too. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But all of them are really just a testimony to the goodness of God. And they're an encouragement for you. I mean, last, last Sunday, uh, Rose and Robert's testimony, it was really about redemption. It was about restoration. And uh, on the way out, there was a, a couple that were, and the husband was just, he was just weeping over the fact that he was in that same place that Robert and Rose, where they had been, but they weren't free yet. He wasn't free yet. But that, that testimony was like, they can do it. God's got them. God can do this for me. He can do it for my family. And maybe you're here this morning, you're, and you're, you're like in that position. We haven't had a child yet, and, and now you've, you have some hope. And then God says, I will give you a word. He's maybe giving you a word today uh, through this video that if you just trust him and believe for what he's promised you, that it will come to pass. Okay, am I ringing or something? Yeah, you are. All right. Check, check. Ringing in the sheets. Ringing in. Oh, it's ringing in. That's right. Stories of faith. Everybody here has a story, I hope, of faith. You know that song we just sang, New Wine? There's a line, there's a, a line in that song that says, So I yield to you and to your careful hand. And when I trust you, I don't need to understand. Yielding to God is one of the most important things you can ever do if you're going to walk in faith. Is yielding to God even when you don't understand to trust Him, even when the outcome doesn't look like you want it to the way you prayed it to be. So we're going to begin this series. This uh, and you have to go if you're going to talk about faith. You have to start in Hebrews chapter 11, right? So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. Now most of y'all have heard this in the New King James or the King James version. So I wanted to bring in a little different f- flavor to it today. So I'm going to be ringing out the Passion Translation. Uh, Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says this about faith. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to, to prove what is still unseen. Cam and Diane could not see Kaylee. They had to believe for something they could not see or someone they could not see. And now you can see her. See her. Their faith has come into a reality. So when you believe for something that you can't see, and it comes into reality, then your faith, you, then it's verified, it's confirmed. I had faith in God, and God came through. Amen? So he's calling you this morning to exercise your faith and to believe for something maybe you've never believed for in your life before. The second verse says this, This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Each and every one of you that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you have been given a deposit, say a deposit, deposit. a measure of faith to believe for the impossible. Do y'all believe that? Every person here, God's given you a measure of faith. I know that because Scripture says it. But here's the problem. So many times when we get this faith, all of a sudden it becomes about us and not about God. Now look at Romans 12. 
uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that talks about how we, uh, we're pleasing to God for our sacrifices. We don't conform to the world, but uh, we tra- we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We've, you've heard those scriptures over and over probably all of your life. But sometimes we forget to go to verse 3, and it says this, For I say to you, Paul says, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Are you in each one? So he has dealt you a measure of faith. It's up to you what you do with that measure. Say, it's up to me. me. See, I can't have, well, I can try to have faith for you, but I can't really have faith for you. You know, if I could have faith for everybody else to get saved, then everybody would get saved because I just believe everybody can be saved. But you have to have faith to be saved. You have to have faith to believe the word of God. So that's what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 11, about our faith. See, the word faith in the Greek word, I'm not even going to try to tell you, but the the word faith means this. Here's what it means. It's the predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether in God or in Christ. It's a strong conviction or convincing that God exists and he is who he says he is. Isn't that what you want the next generation to remember about you, that you had faith, that you had extreme faith? See, you can't... when we have this legacy, some people say, well, I'm going to leave my children some land. I'm going to leave them some property. I'm going to leave them some money. I'm going to leave them this. I'm going to leave them that. And that's my legacy. Listen, if that's your legacy, that's a poor legacy. The best legacy you can leave the next generation, your children and your children's children, is F-A-I-T-H. Faith. Say faith. It's for them to see my mom and dad trust in God. When they had nothing, they trusted in God. When they couldn't see past the, couldn't see past the next circumstance in their life, they trusted God. You are, this next generation needs to see that we have faith, church. Not just for your salvation. It goes way beyond that. It's for your healing. It's for your restoration. It's for your deliverance. It's all those things and more. Verse 3 says, faith empowers us. I love that. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. All through America, all through the world, you go to colleges, you hear professors, you even hear it in high school, you hear it taught. Listen, everything started with a big bang and we crawled out of the slime and evolved from, from some kind of an animal in the sea creature to a gorilla or to a monkey or to an ape and to a human being. And they said, this is what, this is what our, 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 our schools are teaching. Did you know the, our, our Baptist schools, Baylor teaches that? schools all over teach this nonsense. And they say, well, you're crazy to believe it. Listen, when they tell you the story of evolution, I think you've got to be crazy to believe that. You just have to be, you have to have a lot of really, a lot of faith, I guess, to believe that that could happen. But see, God says, I've given you a measure of faith to believe that God created the heavens and the earth with a word. He spoke a word and it came to pass. And then he created man and woman out of the dust of the earth. Amen? Amen. So faith empowers us to see that God has done all of these things. When I was taught that as a young child, I just believed it. it. There was never any question. When somebody said something about evolution, I said, well, you're nuts. <laughs> but you tell that to a professor now in college and see what they say. You've you got you to F or you, you just get out of my class. What do you believe this morning, church? What measure of faith are you exercising to believe 
God, for faith empowers us to worship what is unseen, to believe in the resurrection, to believe in God's word. So when he talks about faith, and the first person he talks about faith, and Betty didn't know I was preaching this, the first person he mentions about faith is Abel. Say Abel. Abel. Verse 4. Faith moved Abel. I like that. Faith moved. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. And God declared him righteous because of his offering of faith. By his faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long dead. Listen, I'm teaching from the Bible. He's long dead, and we're learning about Abel today, right? We're still getting instructions. It just, it's the Word of God comes alive every time you open it, church. Just look at it. Start soaking it in. Start eating the Word. Start feeding on the Word. So I want to say, you know, I thought, okay, how does faith, how does that work with Abel? Because faith is not even mentioned in, in, in the in that whole chapter of Genesis 4, it's not even mentioned. That's where we're going to go next. So if you have, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. How did faith move Abel to do what he... This is really an interesting story. So I want you to just keep, follow along with me, okay? Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, Adam and Eve had been created. They had sinned. God had cast them out of the garden. That's the first time there's a car in the garden because it said they drove out of the garden. God drove them out of the garden. And... <laughs> Get in the car, we're getting out of here. He drove them out. And so Adam and Eve had left, and, and he's made, he said, you know, you're going to have, uh, he said to Eve, it's not going to be easy to have children. He told Adam, you're going to have to till the earth. You're going to be a, you're going to have to really work hard to keep the weeds out of the yard, you know, and grow the grass, grow the, grow the vegetables and all that. So he had, he had sent them out of the garden, and they'd posted, God posted angels so they couldn't come back in. So they're out of the garden, and now they don't know what they're going to do with their lives. So he looks at Eve and says, hmm. God put some thought in his head. I think we should have children. They didn't know what children were. Have you ever thought about this stuff? It just messes with your head. You start thinking about it because he's looking at her and he's, okay, what do we do now? Well, I don't know. I think there's something we could do. <laughs> it never happened before. Okay, look, look at it. Look at it. Now, Adam, the word Adam means man, knew Eve. He really knew Eve. He knew Eve, that means life, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, which means possession. I love this. And said, I have acquired a, a, a man from the Lord. I have possessed a man from the Lord. How many women, you went, into, you went in to have your baby, and they come out and we had, I have acquired a baby. How about a little man that's come out? <laughs> she said, man, she didn't say baby. She didn't know, the, she didn't know what a baby was. Hey, look, Adam, we have a little man. <laughs> and we have possession. He is ours. Let's name him Cain, because that means possession. I'm sure that's how Eve spoke. I don't know what dialect that is. What, I don't know, but that's just how I was thinking, you know. So, see, they've got a possession. So, the first child was a possession. The second, look at verse 2 then. Then she bore again. That's not even, that doesn't even sound good. She bore again. This time, his brother Abel. Now, listen what Abel means. Now, Cain meant possession, and Abel means this. Abel means breath, a gentle breeze. So I'm thinking Cain might have been a little bit harder to deliver than Abel. And she, oh, this was a breeze. Let's name him Abel, okay? That's how I think. 
Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we have ranchers and farmers right there. Verse 2. Never heard of a rancher before then. We knew about farmers, but not a rancher. Just in one verse. Then verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, I've got, see, I ask questions. When I'm preaching, when I'm preparing a sermon, I ask questions. How did they know they're supposed to bring an offering? How did, how did Cain know he was supposed to be a tiller of the ground? How did Abel know he was going to raise sheep? So you have to, when it says in the, in the process of time, you have to believe, or you don't have to, but I'm suggesting that God gave them some instructions that were not written down for us to read. Would that be a fair assumption? Okay, Cain, I want you. And, and Cain being a, a rancher, I mean, a, a, a farmer, it's kind of natural because his daddy was doing that. And he probably taught him about that. But then they probably thought, well, what are we going to do for, for, for meat? And so he said, well, we need to raise some sheep. And so, so Abel, that'll be your job. So he's, they've, get, they've been designated some jobs to do, some professions, so to speak. And then God has somehow instructed them to bring an offering to him. Okay, so they brought these offerings to God. And so we can assume that, that God has told them what to do, how to bring that offering before him, because there's no, there's no instructions here until we get to this place of what they're supposed to do. We just have to know that they were doing what they were supposed to do. Okay? Is that a fair assumption? So what does God believe about sacrifices? We have to go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Remember when, when uh, Saul was disobedient and he was supposed to do one thing and he did another and Samuel approached him and God said, tell, tell Saul this. And he told Saul this in 1 Samuel 15, 22. So Samuel said, he's speaking to Saul, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? That's a question. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. And I thought, when I read that, I thought, maybe they're, maybe they're referring back to Genesis 4. Maybe they're talking about Cain and Abel, because these stories were told. The word was passed down to them. So they knew these things, and so there, maybe Samuel's approaching Saul by, by saying, Saul, you, you've done, you haven't done this right. God, you brought him all these sacrifices, all these animals, Saul, but you disobeyed him. First thing in order is to obey God. He's, he's more interested in your obedience than your sacrifice. So with that, we can also assume that God gave him specific instructions. And when he did, Abel followed them and Cain did not. So what was the difference and what does it mean to us? I, you know, you have to bring this back to what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you this morning? Because it says Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. He just brought an offering. You know, I, I've seen people. Tithes and offerings. That's bringing an offering to the Lord. Have you seen that? You've done it. I've done it. Well, we, we, we do it, don't we? Is there any honesty in here? Have you ever just done it like, well, they want an offering. I guess I've got to figure out what I'm going to give. See, what Betty was talking about is way different, praying about it. So we've seen people just bring, and this is what it's inferring that Cain just brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And he just picked up what he had and said, well, I think I'll just bring this to the Lord. I'm tired. I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thirsty, and it's been a long day, and it's an offering. He said, I'm supposed to bring something to God. And here's Abel. He's waiting for that first, that first lamb. 
And Abel's working at that first lamb, that first lamb comes out. Wow, this first lamb. What do I, this is for God. My first, he's my firstborn. I'm going to bring this, I'm going to bring my best to God. And, and so God, God accepts Abel's gift with like, where they go, Abel. But with Cain's gift, he looks at, oh man, he's kind of missed the point. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abraham bought the, the best. But was it ever about the offering or was it about the one making the offer? I want you to think about that this morning. When you bring an offering, what did, what did the widow, the, what's the story of the widow that brought two pence, two, two, little, two little coins, two mites, they were called widow's mites, and brought them and put them in the offering. And all these other Pharisees are all bringing their big, they're writing the big checks and they're putting their gold in the, in the offering in, in the synagogue. And Jesus was taking, teaching his disciples. He said, you know who gave the most? And they were well, sure, those Pharisees, man, they were loaded, man. They were really blessing the synagogue today. And he said, no, that widow that gave two mites. And he said, because that's all she had. Now, I want to read you something. This is a, from uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. To me, if you want to go to talk about giving, and people come to church, they say, oh, that's all they ever talk about. Well, we don't talk about it very much here. But we should because it's such an important thing for us to be able to grow in our faith is when we learn how to give. Okay? And I'm not talking money, but I'm talking money. <laughs> okay? 2 Corinthians 8, this is a church that they'd been collecting an offering in Jerusalem because they were very poor. They were starving in Jerusalem. And, and Paul was going around. He said, we need to get some money to Jerusalem, guys. That's where the church council is. That's where, the, that's where we need to feed these guys. We need to feed these people. We need to get this going. So they were taking up an offering. And this is what Paul said about the church and when he was writing to Corinth about the church of Macedonia. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, say deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us, begging us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. That's the ones in Jerusalem. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. It's not so much about the offering, it's about the one giving the offering. It's not about the amount, it's about what's going on in the heart. Paul doesn't say how much they gave, but he just said how they gave. He didn't give us a dollar, man. They gave, whoo, that's a lot, $15,000 collected. No, he didn't say anything about how much, but he said how they gave. He just said, this is how they gave. First, first, say first. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. And here's the thing. Where does faith come into this? What, is, what does this have to do with faith, Pastor? Say, what does it have to do with faith? Come on. I don't know if you know this, but if you don't know where your next meal is coming from and you give everything away, that's faith. That's faith. That's what they were doing. It's just out of their deep poverty. Can, can we give some more? Paul, how much? How much? We want to give more. And he said, but you're poor. You do. I think he was trying to tell them, no, don't do this because, listen, we, we can get this somewhere else. You guys are struggling. No, we want, we love Jesus. We love Jesus. We love the church. We want to give, give, give. How can we give? And he says, okay, first they gave themselves to the Lord. He wanted to make sure that the church at Corinth had their spiritual eyes open to how you give. See, it's not about the amount. It's just not about the amount, church. It's about your heart. 
It's your attitude that you give. And that's, that's the whole point of when he was talking about by faith, able, by faith moved able to give his best. Now let's go back to Genesis 4. Verse 4. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. It would seem that this is more about the character of Cain and Abel than the motive and their motive and how they gave. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree with that? Now, I want, you to read, I want to read you uh, Hebrews 11.4 from the message. By, by an act of faith. Say act of faith. Act of faith. Because faith is active. Okay? By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. You getting that? It's what he believed not what he brought that made the difference. Because there is faith, I believe. Oh, yes, Pastor, I believe in tithing. I believe in the first fruit offering. I believe in helping the poor, Pastor. I believe, I believe. You can say it all day long, but then if you don't do it, then you're just saying it. Yeah. Then that's not, that's not active faith. The, the, James says faith without works is what? D-E-A-D. Dead. 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 Only Southerners can make two syllables out of a three-letter word. <laughs> yeah, yes. Y-A-Y-U-S. That's how we say yeah, yes. Dead. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I, I, that's so cool that you walk on water. That is really cool. And you know what? I believe I could, too. I think Peter might have been thinking that. Because, see, Jesus knew what he was thinking, Randy. He's like, I, I think I can walk on water. And Jesus is like, okay. Then get out of the boat. <laughs> did I say I could walk on water? Yeah, come on up. So, okay. <laughs> think about that, guys. He stepped out of the boat. And he started walking on water. But he, he exercised his faith. And most people go, well, he's sunk. Hey, he's the only one out of the 12 that walked on water. I think he probably bragged about that the rest of his life. Yeah, I went down, but I got out of the boat. Y'all just did See, the story of Peter getting out of the boat, one of the greatest messages you get out of that is, if you get out of the boat and you step out in faith and you start, and you start sinking, you also know that God's there to catch you. And he's going to put you back where you need to be. So I just, listen, get out of the boat. Whatever, whatever's, whatever you're struggling with this morning to move forward with, faith moves us forward, church. Faith without works is dead. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now that's great. I'm just going to come to church and praise him. Woo, we're going to give him praise. Sunny in the rock. You know, just start singing and praising him. And he says, yeah, that's great, Harold. But let's get the next verse. But do not forget to do good and to share. For which with such sacrifices God is well pleased. See, you can come in here all, you can come here 52 Sundays out of the year. And you can come in here and praise God. And you can throw a few quarters in the offering plate. And you can go out and live like the devil. And God said, well, that's not, that's not praise. That's not a sacrifice. 
You're just making yourself feel good for a moment. Faith is moves you to do something. It moves you to do good. It moves you to share. That's why I, I love it when our pantry folks, they come up here and they're, listen, that was about a third of them, I think, and they're up here watching this young, this, this young lady get baptized today because they want to share. They want to give. Listen, God, he made us to give. He didn't make us to hold everything in. Amen. God gave. He said he wants us to give. Now let's go back to Genesis 4. Because we're going to get some really heavy stuff here in a second. Are y'all with me? Yes. Verse 4, verse, uh, chapter, verse 5, second part. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Woo! We're on to something here with their attitude. Cain was very angry. Anger and faith don't go very well together. You understand that? You know why people, are that are, people that are angry aren't usually walking in faith because they tried it and it didn't work, so they're angry and so they're disappointed, so there's no faith involved, so they just give up. That's what happens, and he was angry. It's anger, I wrote this down, so I'm going to read it. Anger is usually a response to being disappointed when things don't go your way, but faith trusts God no matter what. You just trust God no matter what. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? That's God. And why has your countenance fallen? Can y'all give me some reverb, some effects or something? Now it should be ringing now. Sometimes angry people can't hide their anger very well. Sometimes they can. Sometimes they can suppress it, and for a while they cannot act angry. But I'm telling you, some of you here battle anger, so angry people aren't the most pleasant people to hang out with. Can I get a witness? I don't want to hang out with hang angry people, or, or hangry. <laughs> well, it's almost 12. I'm getting hangry, Pastor. That's a good word, angry. So, so God looks at, he looks at Cain and says, why, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? And then in verse 7, he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. See, this sounds to me like God has given Cain an opportunity to repent. Is that it? Does that sound right to you? See, I believe if Judas would have repented, he would have been okay, even after he did what he did. And I, I believe that God's saying, Cain, if you would just, listen, repent from your anger, do what's right. He said, Cain, did you know that you actually have dominion over sin, over your anger? So I want to tell you this this morning. Some of you, don't you know that you have dominion over your anger? That it should not rule you? He says, but you should rule over it. Amen. Thank you. How many times did Jesus talk to his disciples after they would fail in, their, in the faith test? And he said, oh, you little faith. Remember when he fed 10,000, 15,000 people, five loaves of bread, two fishes. Remember that story? How many of you know that story? Well, did you know right after that, not too long after that, he had about 4,000 people that were hungry? 
Did you remember what the disciples said? Oh, where are we going to get the food? Oh, we don't have any food. But Jesus, well, and he said, what, what did Jesus say? He, he didn't say you bunch of, <laughs> he just, he said, do you not remember? Don't you remember what we just did? And we fed thousands of people with five loaves of bread, two fish. Have you forgotten? See, their faith was so only good ahead, like an expiration date on their faith. Some of you have put an expiration date on your faith, and, and you haven't seen something come to pass, and all of a sudden, well, let's, well, I guess that's over with. God doesn't want to do that in my life, and you're trying to move on, but you're not, you've, you've lost that faith. You've lost that zeal that God put in you to believe for something. And when you stop short of that, and you don't re realize what God's about to do, like bring you a baby that you weren't supposed to get, you've got to hang on and say, okay, God, I'm still trusting you because I know your word is true. Now Cain, verse 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. I think it went more than talking. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Rose up is a prideful kind of a saying, right? Rose up. Who do you think you are, Abel? You're my kid brother. And he killed one-fourth of the population that day. <laughs> the world's population. Sorry. If there's only four people, he takes one of them out. Just think about that. It's crazy. So anger, rage, wrath lead to murder. But guess where anger, rage, wrath, and murder, what they're rooted in? I know you people that do deliverance know the answer to that. Jealousy. Say jealousy. jealousy. Anybody know what jealousy is? Anybody ever been jealous in here? Okay. Anger, rage, wrath leads to murder. So, how many of you ever been angry? How many have been in a rage? Have you heard the, heard, ever heard of the term road rage? Man, he cut me off. Poom, poom. Happens. You don't think there was something going on in them before they got cut off and they pulled the gun out of their glove box and shot somebody in the head? I think there was something going on. They probably had a jealousy issue. And it led to anger. See, we, we think, well, I've never killed anybody, Pastor. Well, have you? Because you can kill people with your words. You can murder your brother with your words, the Bible says. Death and life, death and life. Death is first in that scripture. Death is in the power of the tongue. Anybody ever had a dream and about somebody sh shooting something at you? They're shooting words at you? Trying to kill you with your words? So you can have jealousy. It can lead to anger, rage, wrath, and then it can be murder from right here. Mm. James says this should not be, my brother. Sweet water and bitter water should not come out of the same, same well, same spring. So he kills his brother when he could have ruled over the sin and made another decision. Then verse 9, we're almost done. Because I know you're hangry. Verse 9. <laughs> then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Does that remind you of something else he asked? Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? Think when I hide from God, where, where, where is your brother, Abel? That's something you really don't want God to call you out on. 
He said, I love this. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Seriously, God? You think I would know where he is? Is it up to me to take care of my little brother? How many ever have God ask you questions like that? What are you doing, Harold? Well, is that something you're supposed to be? No. Here's a scripture I learned way back when I was a kid going to youth camp. I think they quoted it to you before you went to youth camp. Be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that one? I don't know where it is in the Bible. Maybe they made it up, but I know. They just said, be sure. Whatever you do wrong, God will get you for it. And then he said, what have you done? Wow. What have you done, Cain? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Hmm. Hebrews 12, 24 says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of sprinkling that, speaking of Jesus' blood, speaks better things than that of Abel. God, the, the, the word of God is full of, of first, and going back to first, and seeing how things were there then and how they are now. And there are shadows of the prophetic out through all the scripture. But let's go back a little bit. What did, Abel, what did Abel kill before God? What did he sacrifice before God? A lamb. Who, what lamb speaks a better word? What lamb of God speaks a better word? The blood speaks a better word than Abel's? Jesus's. See the pictures here? Did God bring his best and put his best upon the cross? Yes, he did. He put his very best upon the cross. Did Jesus obey? Yes. He had a choice, but he obeyed. He said, I know I've got to go. I know I've got to go because if I don't go there like my daddy wants me to go, humanity will be lost forever. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. I want to finish with Hebrews 11.4 again. I want us to go back there to close. Y'all, man, I mean, uh, yeah, the, come on up. Let's get ready to have an invitation. Ministry team, get ready. By faith, or faith moved Abel. Say, faith moved Abel. To choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain. Because of that, God declared him righteous in right standing with him. Because of his faith. By faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he's long dead. Have a, would y'all please stand?